Hello and welcome to I Wish I Knew That About Songwriting, the show where we bring you tips, tricks and techniques that we wish we knew as young songwriters. On this show we focus on interviews, we focus on resources, subjects you're going to find useful and you can go home and you can use them today. So thank you so much for listening and welcome to the show. We're back. We're back with another Tools episode. This is, of course, you know this, you just heard the intro, but this is I Wish I Knew That About Songwriting. Jamie's here, being annoying as ever. Callum, what's up? How you doing, man? I'm good, man. Yourself? I'm ready. I'm ready. And this one, I think, is probably one of the most central things that I have benefited from. First of all, when I started listening to music, this is what pulled me in massively. I'm I'm a junkie for it. Um, This is something that every time I speak to clients or every time I'm looking at my own music and writing, I'm going, is this thing there? Um, and it's a really, really cool topic, but as ever, we're going to go through song of the day first, and I'm going to push it on to master Callum to start us off. All right. All right. All right. right. So my song of the day today is I will always love you by Whitney Houston. In regards to today's episode, the song has a low mid-range verse transitioning into a high-range chorus. Ah, he's doing it. We have contrast in the rhythm. We have contrast in motion. So we have short notes in the verse versus long notes in the chorus. We have steps versus leaps. We have prosody. So the uh, singer is... it's as though she's addressing her ex directly in the verses, whereas in the chorus, it's as though she's uh, screaming from the rooftops. There's great use of dynamic ceilings. So the production builds from just a vocal and nothing else. That's cool. So each section is bringing in a new musical element. So it creates contrast in the arrangement. Yeah, I like this. Thematic. There's a big pause after the last verse. So power position withholding the chorus and it's just a great example again contrast throughout the song so definitely go and check it out massive love it mate love it i think what's great is that you've gone through to the theme of today which is crucial and for me i've gone with something contrasting to our theme there you go it's all getting internal now but i chose a song called alaska by maggie rogers oh yeah, yeah. and I mean, what a song, right? I mean, that's the Pharrell face. For those of you guys who haven't seen it, when he comes into the music institute that she's learning in, um, the Pharrell face is, is very much worth it. And even the way that he talks about music, I think is, is a really good link. So check that out. But when you hear something of that quality, again, without diving too much into what he talks about, which is where I recommend you go and listen to that. I was in a session with Emily Tallman two, three days ago. And we were talking about why lyrics have a particular effect and how we can look at guiding people emotionally and how much do we need to say versus how much we, we show and tell, you know, and she's, she's really well versed in terms of the stuff we talk about, but we pulled up the song Alaska and I looked at the lyrics and I just want to read the second verse, cut my hair so I could rock back and forth without thinking of you. And it's, it's just lyrical deep dive into the absolute beauty for me it is it is beauty and we talked about in our session emily was like 
How do we lead people? How do we say things that are so specific? They can't help but feel the same way. That is the point of lyrical deep diving. And here Maggie's like, she's rocking back and forth in a state of probably unrest or trying to clear her mind. And she literally cut her hair so that her hair doesn't hit her face and then remind her of her previous. It's this amazing depth. And even first verse, I was walking through icy streams that took my breath away, moving slowly through westward water over glacial plains. And again, we talked about hacking the gene code with Emily is that like, when we talk about as humans, something as primal as walking out in the outdoors through icy streams, westward water, glacial plains, we're obviously going to be thinking, we're going to be doing something that is kind of rejuvenating. And it's such a natural thing. Same way you do talk about countryside in your lyrics. You wouldn't talk about this same song of self-reflection and moving on probably in Tokyo high street at midnight, because it's just the wrong place to go. So again, just to finish off this section, and I walked off you and I walked off an old me. Oh me, oh my, I thought it was a dream. So it seemed. Such simple lyrics. And you go and Google her lyrics on online. You can see how few there are. But for me, it, it's one of those songs that sonically, yeah, it's amazing. We mm. see that. But just in terms of lyrics, I'd love to just highlight that for people. Yeah. So yeah, song of the day times two. Very different as ever. Callum's has come pre-2000. Mine is... Uh, <laughs> But, but it's the same thing. It's the same thing. So if you didn't get it already, we have talked about it briefly, but I really wanted to go back and look at this in a practical sense. It's melodic contrasting. Not to be confused with things like melodic maths, or you could talk about the melodic spectrum. Yantina did an amazing job of just highlighting how it's subtly different, but it is that melodic contrasting is what I want to focus on. The reason being it's very practical. If you look at melodic maths, as amazing as it is, I think that's probably too complex for what we're trying to talk about here. Melodic contrasting. So I want you to imagine a song like Love the Way You Lie, which is Eminem featuring Rihanna. And if we listen to the difference between the delivery, the contrast between his male rapped vocal, very rhythmic, very kind of crowded, very clever, very intricate versus a female sung hook which is very kind of legato, open, up in the air, higher register. Even for her, it's higher in her register. What is that? First of all, there's been so many industries, labels, or even probably music cultures built on this idea of melodic contrasting, that classic male rapped vocal to a female lead. And just to prove that it's not a mid 2000s or like 90s thing a song called loose ends by loyal Kana featuring georgia smith exactly the same thing he's gone for even like a spoken poetic flipped into her again really beautifully produced higher legato range so let's take that example of contrasting between those two things you've got male rhythmic lower register vocal even in the male vocal then we've got that massive contrast in jump not only in terms of tone content even lyrically, there's a contrast, but also in terms of pitch, there's a huge change and the legato versus staccato rhythms. So I love to use those two songs because they're so obvious. But for you, if you're thinking, right, well, I'm not writing mid 2000s or even recent rap stuff. The beauty of this is you go, right, my verse is what character? You know, are you going to go for Billie Eilish? But like your chorus is actually a contrast down. It's an anti-chorus is what I talk about. But let's assume it's the normal kind of progression through a verse that's a particular character, hopefully lowering the register, clipping the wings, like we talked about even with Callum's song today. We've got that verse starting with just a vocal. That's beautiful because you've given yourself this wonderful palette to do what? Contrast. Your next section 
is what we probably call a pre-chorus, right? Well, how do we know it's even a pre-chorus? Let's get really basic here. It's because it's a contrast to your verse. Okay, you're seeing how simple this is. And then from your pre, you're looking to your chorus. There's a contrast from your pre to your chorus in terms of character. And the reason I've added in a third section is because we're not doing it just extremes like a male vocal wrapped to a female lead that sung a hook. We're not talking about that's way too kind of extreme. If you want to be really subtle, we've got to think verse contrasting to your pre, contrasting to your chorus, contrasting to your post-chorus, contrasting to your second verse, and then coming around through that whole thing again to then contrast to your bridge. And if we're going to talk about dynamic ceilings in the future, and John May has spoken about it really well, it's exactly what he's saying too. That's contrasting too. But if that's a lot of information to take in, I understand. But just think about it practically. For example, a lot of people that I work with will say, I was in the shower and I came up with this thing. It's like, cool. What did it sound like? Oh, I had this kind of character, this kind of rhythm. These are the notes I used. I go, brilliant. So what's your problem? They go, I don't know where to go with it. I said, well, once I talked to them about this very thing, I'll talk about contrasting and you take a section and you make sure the next section contrasts. And the reason for that is that people literally respond to extreme changes. Even if we're talking about subtle between, you know, five sections, there's still enough of a change, enough of a jump um, to, to light something up in your brain. And again, even more clearly is listen to how many songs, especially like 80s through 90s to early 2000s, but there was even a whole genre of the metalcore or rock where who could sing the biggest gap between their pre-chorus or their verse and their chorus. Who could do that like almost like an over an octave jump? Whereas most choruses we know and we love would be, you know, four or five tones or four or five notes. But how do we get this massive contrast? That's the biggest extreme. But let's take it back to that example. You've got a voice note that you've sung something, you've run out of the shower and you've sung it into your phone. You go, I don't know what to do with it. Well, funnily enough, whatever character you've established there even if you don't know whether it's a verse, a pre or a chorus, just think, what do you want it to be? Start there. Let's call this a chorus hook. You go, right, well, this is, this is legato. It's long held notes. That's what I'm saying there. Um, it's in a higher register in your voice. But what am I going to do with that? If I'm stuck, I have an idea that I like, it's a hook or it's a verse section or whatever it is. And I want to create something that's interesting, not just create something else, but something that's interesting we take that contrasting aspect. People that don't do music theory, legato meaning longer held out notes, um, not so structured in terms of timing, almost like beautiful, you, you can't see this as a podcast, but kind of swaying left to right, that classic fluid motion, whereas staccato, which is very rhythmic, it's literally, it's that feeling. But for those of you that are lost, the whole point is it's, if something has a particular character, in order to make it effective to go to the next section, just contrast with the idea you've created. And the beauty of that is no matter what you create, you've set out options and pathways to write something else based on that. Mm. In pop songs, it's absolutely everywhere. I think if anything, you guys can take melodic contrasting and if you can find it where there's a, a song that people love or a song that you connect with that doesn't have any contrast, I'd be amazed. Oh, you'll start to hear this everywhere now yeah like once you once yeah, you, you notice will. it you get, it's hard to unnotice this in all of your favorite songs like verses that go from you know that are low and fast that then go to choruses that are high and slow and vice versa you know 
it's everywhere. And then even, like I said, I probably introduced it too early. So I'm sorry. It's a bit confusing, but let's take the Billie Eilish sweep that happened all over the world where she went from choruses that were like Adele choruses. She brought in a whole new thing which said, I'm a rock guy, like a really tough guy. Na, 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 na. Really like in the pocket, low. She has an amazing, beautiful voice, but she's barely using it in that chorus. And it's all about the production and that contrast down. Um, so she's done it. And I can't feel my face by the weekend. Boom. Yeah. I can't feel my face and I don't, 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 but I love it. Right? Like how that's bottom of his range, mm. but he's gone. But listen where they've taken that song. And um, yeah, so melodic contrasting at its most basic is very simple. But the reason we talk about it simply is so that then later when you need to use it in more subtle ways, let's say the difference between your verse and your chorus when you've only got two sections is like seven or eight out of 10. There's like a seven point difference between the two, but suddenly you need to spread zero to 10 across five sections. You suddenly, then your verse only comes up a few steps, like Callum was saying in the song of the day example, a few steps, not leaps. If you only got a few sections, you can leap. If there's more sections, you probably need to take steps, but just be clever and be deliberate. And as we've alluded to, you can use lyrical contrasting delivery. Another example I love is when I'm working with, with young people, even like whether it be eight or nine years old, I'll play the song, Take Your Time by Sam Hunt, because melodic contrasting is also in delivery. And Sam Hunt will start that song very low. He's talking, he's literally talking. And I'll have the kids, you know, put their hands up every time they hear a change of delivery. So we'll go from talking to low singing to mid-range singing through each section. Then by the pre-chorus, he's singing in a kind of that middle range. Then the chorus is obvious contrast up. Um, and the post-chorus is a diff- different delivery style too. And between these five sections, he's gone through so many different types of delivery. And when you listen to the song, you'll hear that each one creates a contrast in the same way as if you just shift your tone. Um, so that's, that's the kind of main points. I've got a couple of extra bits, but what do you think in there, Callum, first of all, with melodic contrasting? I'm thinking if you, if you keep in mind the basics. Listeners, it's it's making sure that listeners are aware of what section they're in at all times. And so pitch, you know, creating contrasts in pitch, creating contrasts in rhythm, you know, long notes versus short notes, short notes, rather, um, motion, um, whether you're moving in steps or moving in leaps, making sure your your melody has space to breathe as well is really important. Um, so you've just had a period of like lots, lots of uh, clutter, I guess, as it would be the word to use, or you then have a moment of space, um, or then your yeah. phrases uh, have have space in between them. In the next, in the next section, your your placement as well of your melodies. You know, are they on the downbeat? Are they before the um, before the downbeat or after? Yeah, there's a contrast there. Yeah, there's that. That's quite a, a prevalent thing that's spoken about around Max Martin as well. Is that if your verse starts on the beat, you might want to start your your pre-chorus pushed just before, you know, that kind of thing. So that's a really good point. Yeah, mm. all of these things create contrast, you know. And something um, we haven't covered yet is uh, chords. You know, chords are also a great way to create contrast. They're not. It's not necessarily related to melody. 
but they're all things that thrown into the mix of your song help to form the, these contrasting elements um, and move your song along. Again, keep the listener on the tightrope. And we should do, we should definitely do an episode on chords and on chord structure, I think, at some point. Yeah. You know, three chord songs, four chord songs, changing their order, introducing new chords into your song. So we'll get that out yeah, there's there loads at of tips some point. For that, yeah. Something else is changing keys in your chord and in, in your song, rather. And scales. But, but that, that creates a contrast, right? Exactly. You know, one of my favorites is Man in the Mirror by Michael Jackson. Yeah. Where it changes key on literally the word change. Um, yeah. <laughs> Prosody. Yeah. Prosody. Yeah, exactly. And one of my other favorites is New Kid in Town by the Eagles. Okay, I don't know that. Where he, they change key around the midway point and they change back for the final, uh, final chorus, which I think is just, I, I love that. And yeah, like you said, uh, prosody is just plays such an important part, I think, in um, when it comes to melodic contrasting. And if you don't don't know what prosody means, it's the assignment of syllables to notes in the melody to which the text is sung. And so, with regards to vocal composition and lyrics, imagine what's going on, you know, in your movie. Uh, or the video. Yeah. A great example, I think, of prosody would be uh, the Beatles something. When you're writing your melody, you know, look at what you're saying. It's spe- uh, looking at what you're saying, rather, is especially important because if your song is, say, filled with positive emotions, um, and this can be really, really useful when it comes to B sections too, um, because if your song's filled with all these positive emotions, bringing in a negative the negative side, it can be a really, really great way to bring in contrast again. Nice. Yeah. And so something by the Beatles does this really well between the A, um, a sections, uh, the verses and the B sections, uh, the refrain. It's like the a, a sections are filled with the sense of sort of certainty about his love and all the sort of amazing feelings that it's creating, whereas the B section introduces this doubt as to yeah. whether the relationship's actually going to work out. And that's so interesting for people, isn't it? Because it's that, that's a great point, I think, because prosody or prosody, however you want to say it, we don't know, mm. correct us. But again, it's all like we talked about, production, chords, vocal, melodies, change of gender, change of texture. Um, th- there's actually another thing, it's that it's the emotive quality, like Callum's saying, he's suggesting, but can you change the not just the note, but how you're delivering it. I know a really boring way to say it is like, is it in chest voice, the same note, or are you singing the same note in falsetto? Because that will have a different relationship to how people will hear it. And something that made me think, um, I spoke to a guy called Aaron Hubley or Hubley, who's in uh, Montreal, Canada as a producer. And he was talking about, you know, when I'm working with people, do I find the point in their voice where the, the note or the emotion is most clear. For example, like, is there a break in someone's voice where when they sing in that particular note, individual to them, it's really emotive? Because that can be another way of like, how do I bring a contrast here? It's like, oh, if I jump to that point in my voice, I'll have a really emotive quality that might contrast, like Callum's saying, to quite a somber or low kind of part of my song. So even like knowing, I call it like the fifth dimension of the voice, there's 
you know, what you're singing. So when you're recording, sorry, as a vocalist, there's you sing in the lyric properly, you sing in the right rhythm, but you sing in the right melody. The fourth dimension is what we talked about with Amy and Nick intention. And the fifth one I've kind of created is like, where in your range are there really interesting sounds that will create emotion? So that, that was one kind of random one I thought of, but Callum was alluding to, obviously we're talking about sections here, right? We're talking about whole sections um, and contrasting between those. And Callum was actually introducing the idea of subtleties. And there's, there's another thing I really wanted to talk about today, which is called melodic spiking, which you've talked about briefly, but I want to give two examples. The first one is, I do the same thing. I told you that I never would. I told you I change even when I knew I never could know that I can. Right? So that is not between sections. No. That's a melodic contrast and it's within a section. Um, this a same idea that's a bit more subtle is, uh, don't you worry, don't you worry, child. Heaven's got a plan for you. Don't you worry, don't you worry now. That thing. Mm. So don't you worry and then stay. Um, two songs that, funnily enough, did pretty damn well. Um, that was in their chorus. But internal contrasting. Can you take a particular word? And if we're talking about prosody here, if people are following this, I'm really impressed. But can you choose the melodic spike? create a contrast in your melody on a word that you want to really highlight. That would be melodic contrasting, internal melodic contrasting, melodic spiking, and adding in that prosody. So for those of you who followed along to this point, this is like really nerdy stuff. But if you can look at this, like we've just talked about it. It's not like it's just cool for Callum and I to come up with this stuff, talk about it, and it's irrelevant. Stay and Don't You Worry Child, two of the biggest songs. One is obviously a lot bigger than the other. Um, but there's loads of examples of this stuff. And how do you make your songwriting really in- interesting in an industry where there's so much competition? Um, so that's something and kind of looking at more. And again, if you want to look at really helping you overcome, similar to ABC songwriting, which you can check out in an earlier episode, um, Melodic contrasting is a great way to, to take, take apart that overwhelming feeling of having to write a whole song on your own or like coming up with six different sections that are all individual things you have to come up with and use your energy and time. It's like, no, you write one great verse or one great hook. If you use this tool, you can like ratchet one section to write the next section. I'm going to have a bit of a step here in contrast and you can use it as a really effective way of getting through to your songs along with ABC Sam writing and all these kinds of things. So, yeah. Um, and it can help guide you in your songwriting again, when you get stuck and not know where to go next. Yeah. It's these tools yeah. that you've come, you fall back on. That's a good point is like, where do I go next? Mm. And similar to a few questions that we've had, um, it's not just what else you can add to a song is like, but, what else would be good to add? What else would be effective to add and be mm. emotive to add? And even what would be pleasing? Like I quite enjoyed badly singing those two, two examples of melodic spiking because they're pleasing to sing. Um, and a final thing I want to add is at the moment, Callum and I have been speaking. If I decided to shout, right, you guys would, whether you want to or not, pay attention to what I'm saying. You might not like it and eventually you would switch off, but there's that initial thing when you're doing melodic spiking or if you change the tone of your voice or if you shout suddenly, which I won't. But um, if I was to shout or put a contrast in my line, spike melody, people will listen. It's not like you're hacking someone's 
mind or it's not anything malevolent. It's just making people pay attention when you want them to pay attention. And if you use it sparingly, it's a really effective and clever little tool. So bear that in mind that we have, we have relationships with rhythm. We've talked about hacking the gene code, Timberland using particular beats or um, take a day trip using particular beats to get people to move. Dennis Pop, we've talked today about Alaska, lyrically getting people hacking that gene code of you're outside, you're in the open space. Okay. I'm in quite a restorative, open, spiritual place. And I'm going to write a song that fits that. That's lyrical hacking. And then we're going to hack people melodically, but all in ways that they, that they want to, and it'll hopefully make sense. So remember that connection and listening to a Ted talk is not the same as listening to a song, even though one might change your life. The other might not, but a song is written in a way that's really interesting and lots of contrasts and extra elements and melody and lyrics and that kind of thing. So bear in mind that why we're doing what we're doing and it's to connect with people. I think at least that's what this show is about. All of these tools are used to deliberately connect with people. Um, yeah. So anything else you want to add on this strange topic? That's actually very simple. Just to remember to ask yourself, I mean, we've, uh, we've all gotten bored, right? Listening to a song at one point yes. or another. And, or writing songs. Yeah, definitely writing songs. But that's no doubt why, because there's not been not enough, enough contrasting. contrasting. Yeah, exactly. And so this is why this is such an important tool. And I also think production vocal performance can help um, with creating contrast in a song. For sure. Yeah. But don't let those be a crutch as a great song needs to work just as well when it's sung with a single acoustic guitar or piano as it just, you know, as it does with a full production under it. Yeah. And if it's written beautifully, like you're saying, all of these contrasting elements. Mm. Yeah. If you can write your song to the point where it's like a nine out of 10, Mm. then your production might even take it to like a 15 instead of having a five out of 10 song that will only ever get to a 10. Great. It's an an amazing song, but it could have been even better if we'd thought about these basic tools. But yeah, that, that is, I think that's, if you listen back, that's quite a, or if you followed it along, well done, but it's quite a broad look at something that is very simple. We did that for a few reasons to try and give you some examples and things you can take home. Um, and I had a little tool to go home with, but is there anything, Callum, you wanted to look at in terms of giving to people or an extra perspective towards the end of the show? Just uh, prosody again to highlight that and the importance of n- making sure you, what you say in your songs and what you're singing about lines up with your melody. That's, yeah, really key. That's a really good definition, by the way. That's a really good definition. Um, cause we probably looked at it as a holistic, like overall, like an example of people I've worked with before that they had the song stop on the word stop. That's a great one, but that's a production thing. Whereas Callum's saying you're singing something quite sad lyrically, probably want to do your best to, to align that with how you're singing it and, um, what you bring to it in terms of intention. That's a great one. I think prosody, we might have to look at that in depth in future, same with chords and look at these really practical things and, I'm going to leave you guys with, well, if you want to take on some work in your own time, then this is a really cool one to try, but it's almost like mini 
poet poetry exercises. It's it's coming from Ralph Murphy's teaching of the first two lines of a song should be really engaging, really emotive, but mainly should set up the topic of the whole song. And then your chorus and your nut, the resolution should then pay that off. So what I'm challenging you guys to do is even if they're not beautiful lyrics in terms of deep driving, what I want to do is you're going to write two lyrics, two lines, sorry, two first two lines of your song, and you're going to set something up and then have a, have a third line, almost like a punchline for a joke that pays it off. And it's just this idea that you're going to write two lines that hopefully are really interesting, but they're going to describe everything that needs to be said, set up a story. And then of course, you're going to find a clever way to pay it off. So it's practicing what I like to call setup science or the Nashville payoff. Ralph Murphy talks about it in different ways, but that's my homework for you. You know, do five, do five sets of two lines that set up to something that you pay off with that third chorus nut. And you're doing this without the context of needing to write a whole song without coming up with chords or anything crazy or filling in your lyrics, just get the idea of setting up your song, set up science, two lines to pay off a third line, which is the theme. So that's what I'm going to leave people with for this week. Good stuff. And here we say, anything else we want to say before we leave? I always feel like we have time, but um, I think if you guys are interested, we talked about Ralph Murphy, we talked about John Mayer, we talked about, Pat Patterson, um, Callum and I put together a completely free PDF. You don't even have to put in your email to get it. So that's maybe silly. And I'm going to have friends of mine telling me off in my business group for not doing so. But if you go to, I wish I knew that about songwriting.com, simple as that, www.iwishiknewthataboutsongwriting.com, jump on there and you can just click halfway down the page, download free PDF. Callum and I put together, it's called the songwriters toolkit. Do it. And it talks about it now. Do it now. Um, it talks a bit about why we do what we do, but mainly it's about seven, eight pages of content for you guys. It's it's documentaries, it's books, it's courses, it's everything, and why we love it. Everything you've, we talked about on the show, to be honest, a lot of it's come from there. So you guys can go and grab that for free, download it. If you don't want to do the setup science exercises, then just go and grab this free PDF, read through it, get in touch with us, let us know what you think, and most importantly. Don't go too crazy or too hard on yourself. Figure out what your goal is as a songwriter. Work on that and give yourself little tools to do so. If it's writing every week because you want to finish an EP or you want to pitch to someone, um, really make sure that what you're taking from this show sits practically into a plan of your own making that suits you and your goals, not ours or anyone else's. So have an amazing time. Keep it practical. Carl and I will do the same. And we'll be speaking to you in on another one, on on another episode. Goodbye. Farewell. To find out more about us and to get in touch, please head over to I Wish I Knew That Pod on Instagram. And don't forget to join the conversation on our Facebook community. Please also remember to email your questions about songwriting to I Wish I Knew That Pod at gmail.com. And we will answer these on our upcoming episodes. Also, if you know someone who would benefit from this, we would really love it if you could give it a share or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. And Jamie and I will talk to you on the next episode.